0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before we start, if this is your first time listening to the 10% Happier podcast, A, welcome. And B, if you like the show, do me a favor. Take a second and subscribe, rate the podcast, and if you really want to hook me up, tell some friends about how they too can find us. Now here's the show. (laughs) Hey, this is Dan Harris. I am a fidgety, skeptical newsman who had a panic attack live on Good Morning America. That led me to something I always thought was ridiculous, meditation. I wrote a book about it called 10% Happier, started an app, and now I'm launching this podcast to try to figure out whether there's anything beyond 10%. Basically, here's what I'm obsessed with. Can you be an ambitious person and still strive for enlightenment, whatever that means? When I learned that uh, my next guest was a meditator, I was uh, surprised in a very, very pleasant way. Uh, It's RuPaul. He is easily the world's most famous drag queen. He's been a household name since the 1990s. And as I've discovered in researching him um, and reading his autobiography, uh, reading his interviews, and watching uh, his reality competition show, which airs on Logo and is called RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, he is an extremely thoughtful person about the mind and, for lack of a better word, uh, spirituality. So... RuPaul, great to meet you. Thank you for coming on. My
1: pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Um, Podcast listeners, you may notice a lot of background noise. That's because we are in RuPaul's pop-up shop in a mall in Los Angeles. Uh, which is filled with RuPaul chocolate, which is delicious, and a lot of his gorgeous uh, gowns and t-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. So just in case you're wondering about the background noise, that's why that is. Here's the question I ask everybody first. When and how and why did you start meditating?
1: I understood at a very early age that this realm that we see with our eyes and we see on television isn't the only one. I learned that early on. And we talked earlier about this. I was about 14. Usually things, these these happenings in a, a human's life happened 7, 14, 21, 28, which is a huge one, and then so on and so forth. But about 14 was a real breakthrough for me. I understood that this wasn't all there was, and I wanted to understand what that was. My first uh, where, and I, which drove me into hallucinogenics is when I first started finding that. I thought, okay. And I gotta tell you, you see, you're taking acid. Yes, yes. At fourteen? Yes. Really? No, 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 no. Not not ever, actually. Twenty one is when I started taking uh, acid. I see, I see. At fourteen, I started doing, um, uh, you know, pills and and smoking weed. I was actually smoking weed. When I was ten years old. Wow. Where yeah. were your parents? Uh, good, good question. <laughs> Where were they? Actually, my mother, my father, mother and father split up when I was seven. And um, my mother sort of stayed in her room for about two years. Uh, so for those two years, she was just in her own place, ah, and we never we didn't see her. She was doing her thing. She was heartbroken. Um, so I, we were left to ourselves, my sisters and I. And uh, uh, but no, no, I was. That's where I first. That's where I first went. So when sort of entry level into other realms is through, you know, street drugs. You know, what do you mean by other realms? Other realms. Um, you know, you know, this table we're, we're leaning on looks like it's solid, but it's actually not. It's energy vibrating at a high rate. If you that, go
0: to a quantum physics level. Sure, sure. Yeah. sure.
1: But, you know, uh, but just because your eyes, uh, you know, when a plane takes off into the horizon, it looks like the plane is getting smaller and smaller. Is the plane getting smaller? Nope. No, it's just from where you're standing. So I understood that from the perspective I had at, at 14 was limited. I understood that. And uh, so that was my first introduction into understanding there were other realms. You were
0: a pretty deep 14-year-old. I mean, I was playing video games and, and, and uh, trying to get girls to kiss me at 14. Well,
1: you know, uh, I think that, you know, if you've been through a lot of trauma, if you, your heart has been broken by the world and you understand that the world is a hoax and an illusion, you, you have to seek something. You become a seeker and you you are looking for something and that's that's what i found and you honestly you don't have to look far to find this information it's not that it's not that so far beyond our, our comprehension even at 14 what are the
0: when you talk about trauma are you talking about the the Acrimonious divorce to your parents or being a, a gay kid in a world that was not as accepting as the world is now to LGBT? all of the above the
1: um the, the gay thing is probably the smallest part of that equation it was the the parents and it was also the world. I actually gave the keynote ex, uh, address at um, um, dragcon my convention that uh, just this past weekend and I talked about mother's Day and I talked about my mother and how she really died of a broken heart not. My my father didn't break her heart. The world broke her heart. She was a sweet, sensitive soul. Who um, who at five she told me. She said Rue, don't take life too g d uh, seriously. And she said Rue, you are too sensitive. It took me many years to understand that she was trying to protect me from her. Own uh, storyline. She didn't want me to be brokenhearted by the world the way she had. Uh, I talked about that in the key, in the keynote uh, speech. But um, the biggest hurdle I had to overcome at that age was understanding that the world was hypocritical. You know, as a little boy, I was I I didn't really fit in, and uh, which is nothing new. But I I knew I was smart enough to figure out what what it would take for me to fit in. So I studied our society. I studied what everybody was doing so I could figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Well, I studied it, and the, the information I got back from my, my findings was that it is BS. It's all an illusion. It's hypocritical. It doesn't have... Um, There isn't a standard. It's all superficial. So, no thank you, ma'am. I want nothing to do with your fitting in. So I I found a place for myself outside of society. And at 12, I remember watching Monty Python on PBS in San Diego. And I thought, there's my tribe. That's it. The irreverence, the people who are making fun of of, uh, identity just uh, in drag. They're out of drag. They make a fun of, they're making fun of the Bible. They're making fun of religion. They're making fun of everything that I knew from that moment on. That was my, that's where I belonged. So you,
0: you realized early on and then had it reinforced through uh, psychedelics that there's more to the world than meets the eye. Yeah. At what point did you start formally meditating?
1: I, I, the, I start formally meditating at 28. There goes those sevens again. Um, it was a really, really, really Dark, dark period for me. Dark. I was 28. Um, didn't have a dime. Pre-fame. The world Pre-fame. did not fame. know about
0: RuPaul at this point. That's
1: right. I had, you know, I had had some local fame in Atlanta, uh, and I had moved up to New York uh, earlier, uh, the, the year before that, and couldn't get arrested. I couldn't. Nothing was happening. So. Uh, through a series of horrible events, I wound up out here in Los Angeles sleeping on my sister's couch, my baby sister's couch at 28 years old. And uh, it was horrible. So coming out of that, that's when the, the meditation started. That's when I, I attempted to meditate. I really didn't get any good at it until probably about uh, maybe 17 years ago. About 17 years ago, I could I could get it going.
0: And what kind of meditation are you doing?
1: In the morning, um, in my morning routine, I get up very early. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I get up, I stretch. I'm 55 years old. I got to stretch. Um, you look great, by the way. Thank you. I uh, pray. I'm not religious. I'm going to say that again. I'm not religious. But I will pray because the act of prayer deconstructs and overruns the system of my ego. The act of bowing down and and physically acknowledging that there's something other than me. And my ego immediately goes away. So I pray. And then I meditate. So my act of meditation is, years ago someone told me that um, if you imagine a river that's flowing water by and those are your thoughts and that you, the real you, the eternal you, is actually sitting on the bank watching the river go by and that You have no judgment on those thoughts. You allow them, let them come and go. But you are the awareness of your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. So you can let your thoughts happen. Just know that the real you is the awareness. And that's where, that's where, that was a major breakthrough for me with meditation. And sort of floating in that place where you can let go of any judgment of what you're thinking is such, oh my God, it's such a sanctuary. But can you
0: actually, because I have a lot of, I mean, I've been meditating only for seven years, but I have a lot of trouble in getting to that place. I mean, mm-hmm. you're describing mindfulness, which is the ability to step out of the stream of our thoughts and view it with some non judgmental remove. Mm-hmm. But for me, as a crazy person, I, I get caught up in those thoughts. A thought mm-hmm. floats by on the river and then mm-hmm. I'm off with it. Sure. Do you not get lost in that way?
1: No, no. Sometimes it, it'll catch me and I'll get, but I, I just bring myself back. Uh, yeah I, I I get caught in it it's it, it, that and that's fine that's completely fine
0: and did, have you had formal meditation instruction or because you seem to have well I'll, I'll just leave it at that have you had formal meditation no not
1: formal no i i have a, a meditation group that I go to at six thirty in the morning uh, uh it's it's actually five days a week.
0: So there's prayer and meditation in your life on a daily basis. Yes, and it's remarkable to me, having had on my, uh, having been lucky on my end, having been lucky enough to have some, a lot of formal uh, meditation uh, training. You, you're like you're spot on even without it. What you described as just trying to rest in an area that doesn't get caught up in the thoughts. You get caught up, mm-hmm. you start again. Mm-hmm. That is, textbook. Buddhist meditation, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. you, you just, it, it seems to me that you just kind of came to it on your own.
1: Well, I didn't come to it on my own. You know, I, I've always been a seeker, and I've always read books. Even when I was a kid, I would read, growing up in the 70s, there are all these self-help books, and so, I, and I'm from California, too, I'm from San Diego, so there's this, this vernacular that I grew up with, um, and, and sort of, um, you know, all roads led to, to these self-help books, which always sort of you know, hit upon those, those elements. So, you know, finding Eckhart Tolle years ago, um, really, really solidified my practice. I I really understood what it meant. Uh, And it it just, it got me. So it's
0: interesting that you bring up Eckhart Tolle, because um, I read Eckhart Tolle was really the start for me of, of finding meditation too. Um, And I, I, Stumbled upon him in 2008, and then went and interviewed him. And um, but here's my beef with him. I, I kind of make fun of him a little bit in my book, which is that he, um, he, and this is not my quote exactly, but uh, a friend of mine has described him as correct about the human situation, mm-hmm. but not useful. In that he doesn't really give you a lot of practical advice for taming the voice in the head or the mm-hmm. ego, um, but. And so that's my problem with him. It seems like you haven't run into that problem.
1: Because the, the, the solution is this. You allow that voice. That voice doesn't go away, by the way. The voice is always there. It's All like right. the, in this world we live in, there's yin and yang, black and white, male-female. There are these dualities. So that voice, that, that sort of devil on one shoulder and angel on the other, um, and then you, the, the, the triad, the completion of the triad, the conscious the consciousness of those two elements, You are you allow them to to be, exist, but you don't act on them. You know, that voice, my that voice in my head, it comes up all the time. I say, you know, I say that voice, I say, thanks for sharing. <laughs> thanks for sharing, keep coming back.
0: What is the difference it's made in your life?
1: The difference is I'm able to live, uh, I'm able to calm myself. I'm able to not react so drastically to the, uh, the elements that pop up in life. Traffic, I'm still not so good with. Traffic, that's where the devil on my shoulder really does come up. But what I do is I avoid traffic is my solution to that. But that's, that's what it's done for me. And the bigger, the bigger one is that in that place, when I find that place where I am the awareness of my thoughts, somehow some divinity, I don't know what it is. I don't need a name for it. Some divinity, some clarity comes through. In fact, I can feel my whole body aligning. I can feel my body able to repair itself because the blockage of my thoughts or, or my past or my, what I think my future is going to be doesn't exist in this place. And I can feel my body sort of healing itself, repairing itself, f- being at peace because it doesn't have that blockage. I could be wrong, but that's what that's what I feel like. That's what that's what it's done for me.
0: I think that's awesome. So, you know, one of the, I, I, we talked about this a little bit before we started rolling, but uh, I admit with some uh, embarrassment that before doing my research on you, I really, you know, we all have cultural blind spots. Um, I think of myself as reasonably culturally literate, but, but the drag world is something that I basically knew nothing about. I certainly knew who you are, but I, I didn't really know anything about the culture. And reading about you, I realized actually there's a, for lack of a better word, a, a major spiritual component to the world of dragon. And I just want to read you a, a quote from you, um, because I had never realized until I read your now, uh, sadly out of print autobiography, letting it all hang out. Is that the, that mm-hmm. was, that's the right mm-hmm. name of it. Um, that it is an inner exploration. You say, here I'm quoting, I want to present a whole and complete picture. The yin, the yang, the black, the white, the boy, the girl, the sane, the insane. Because we are all every man, A rainbow of different roles and different people. Exploring the colors in myself and in others is my life's passion. There is no such thing as normality. Each and every one of us, if we dare to be whole, is a gorgeous peacock.
1: Oh, I love that. I haven't, honestly, I haven't read that in 20 years. But that's, that's exactly right. I love that. That's exactly right.
0: And, and so you do think of drag as uh, you are <laughs> you, you you've i i'll I'll read some more quotes about this, but you are uh really getting at the mystery of identity
1: yeah absolutely yeah I, I, again, when I was fourteen and I realized that it was all a hoax then it, that allowed me that revelation allowed me to have fun with it and and uh uh you know the, the lesson i got from from people was that life is not to be taken serious. And that gave me the the license to just have fun. Play with all the colors. There are no rules. And you will be unchanged. After this body is gone, who you really are is unchanged. You know, it's, uh, it's like... <laughs> You know, that movie, what was it? Is it the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where the, the alien comes, a predator, when he comes to, and he has, fight, he, unfortunately, the predator's killing people. We're like that. We come to this planet to experience what it's like to be a human on Earth. Um, of course, it's once we get here, all these other people say, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to, jo- oh, you've got to join this club, you've got to be this, and, I understood all of those rules as a hoax, as illusion, as something that I don't have to pay attention to. I freed myself of that, which allowed me to go and play with all the colors. You know, uh, do, even as a kid, I, all kids play and they do drag, they play cars. I love cars. I do all this. You know, um, no, no restrictions. But unfortunately, if you choose that life, there's not a lot of people who do that not a lot of people have the chutzpah to do to live from their heart to to express themselves straight from their their desires you know there's everybody turns into their parents eventually you know I I don't think I I, I, I'm not my parents that's for sure I
0: I, uh, do you as somebody who is deeply interested in um, issues of sort of figuring out what this mind and body really is. Do you think I am missing out on something because I have never done and probably will never do drag?
1: I think so. I think that um, there are aspects of your personality that you don't even know about until you get into drag. I've seen straight men get into drag, and it's interesting to see what they turn into, Uh, whether they're, you know, the coy Because the coy uh, queen or the the, the sexy slut queen or the, um, you know, the comedy queen or the, you know, the heckler. But what's interesting about that is it's like a a guitar playing only one note or, you know, a car that's got a gorgeous, beautiful V8 engine that only goes around the neighborhood. You have to explore this life. You owe it to this gift. And I'm looking at you here. You're gorgeous. You got a sexy little body there, and you got good (laughs) teeth and good hair. You better go. Just go get go out there. You better drive that car around. Drive drive down to Baja California. Why don't you? you know?
0: So there are fundamental aspects of the human experience that I'm missing out on by not exploring all the colors in the rainbow Absolutely. within me is your argument. And what's interesting to me about that is, big part, because I feel myself constricting around the idea of dressing up in drag. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But a big part of, and I, I would call myself a, a Buddhist, um, but not a religious one, uh, a big part of Buddhism is letting go. Yeah. And I would have, it seems to me in my brief ex- exploration of your world that a huge part of drag is letting go.
1: Absolutely, because, and I'm not uh, different from a lot of the kids who come out uh, on RuPaul's Drag Race or kids who aren't on the show who who, who society has said, we don't want you. Once that happens, then you, these pe- pe- people are able to explore other avenues and make a place for themselves. And they come to this discovery on their own because they've been cast out, you know? And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's it's so important to do it. It's it's almost a gift. It was it's it was a blessing for me to be cast out of society. And it, you know, I, I have a sense though most people like yourself don't do it because you're afraid of what other people would think of sure, you. Sure, sure. And you know, when you don't care what other people think of you, that frees you so much because you know, being that kid who was set aside by society. If they don't care about me, I don't have to care about what they yeah. think of me. Yeah. So I'm free to do whatever I want. And, you know, if you're, if you're afraid of what your mother or your rabbi or your, the people in the neighborhood are going to say about you, you won't do it.
0: This may be worth nothing just because it's my opinion, but I will say just having spent the past hour in your presence, you seem pretty free.
1: I, I could be more free. I, I am pretty free, but I could be more free. You know, um, I am not that, free you know, um, in my, I've been with this man for 22 years, but you know, when Your I boyfriend. was, yeah, 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 when I was, um, you know, in the clubs and hanging out, I was, people still scared me on an intimate level because it, being that intimate with people um, scared me and it's still scary because people are, people are um, effing crazy, you know. And, and also, we talked about this living in New York. Uh, I still live there, I live here in New York, LA and New York. I'm a very sensitive person, I've had to be very, my mother was right, I had to be very careful about it because the people I'm around, I take on their energy. I'm a medium and I have to be careful of who I allow. You know, and, and my persona in the media or whatever, even with you, you know, I, I'm, I, I can protect myself with my persona but the truth my real self I'm very very sensitive and and I'm an introvert so I said all that to say I'm a free person but I I wasn't very free in terms of um, like being intimate with people mm. when I was a kid You think you've gotten better um, i probably not with George you know um, you know he 22 you know I can be myself with him but Um, It's been very few people I feel like I could do that with.
0: This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to tell you, I feel so much better when I talk about my anxiety instead of keeping it bottled up. There's an expression that I first heard from the great researcher and also Zen practitioner Robert Waldinger, never worry alone. Our temptation many times is to keep it bottled up, but the data really show that the people who do the best in life, who live the longest and are the happiest, have strong relationships with people with whom they can talk about whatever's going on in their lives. And for me, therapy is part of that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you might give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash happier today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, happier. You can count on T-Mobile to help keep you connected after investing billions to light up their network from big cities to small towns. T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, when you switch to T-Mobile, What do you think is the role of drag in culture? You've compared it to the shamans, to the mm-hmm. witch doctors, and the do court you-
1: jester, Yeah, it's to remind people to not take life too seriously, not take life too seriously, which is huge.
0: And and by life you mean sort of the the, the social and cultural constructs that are put
1: upon us. Exactly, exactly, all of that. Um, what people have to say. You know, whether you're driving the right car. Um, if I just is does your. Does Do these pants make my ass look fat? And yes, ma'am, it does make your ass look fat, and hallelujah because I love a fat ass
0: <laughs> Let me ask you about another uh, Rupaul quote. Um, we I, I talk a lot in in my in this podcast in the, in my book about. Uh, kindness, not in the sort of empty platitude right. sense of the term, but as as a skill that you can develop. Mm-hmm. And you actually have a great quote about it. You said, being kind illustrates the highest level of consciousness and deliberate optimism. Mm-hmm. Being kind says, I know the material world is an illusion, and I choose to recognize the beauty, innocence, and the source in everyone.
1: Oh, Explained. my God. I haven't heard that in years. Um, I, I'm tearing up. am my, I'm my, my hearing that, it, you know, it's, uh, I, I haven't read this book since I wrote it. I, I read it then, but I haven't read it since. Um, that's beautiful, because it's, it's the same as, as the Pollyanna. Um, people thought that Pollyanna was just a dummy because she didn't see the darkness. She saw the darkness. She, know, she knows it very well. In the, um, um, but she chose to see the beauty in a situation. Um, uh, the child of God is innocent. Um, you know, is there's, In the Night of the iguana, the Tennessee Williams play... Uh, I know the movie, I've never seen the play. There's a, a scene where Deborah Carr um, calms uh, Richard Burton's character, who's, who's going to commit suicide. And she ties him up and gives, gives him some tea that calms him down. And he asks her, well, how is it that you know so much about... The dark night of the soul, and she says, "Oh, I know. I call it the blue devil. I've been there." And she turns away from him and heads towards the camera. I'm getting choked up thinking about it. And she um, she says, um, "The the way that you overcome that dark night is you persevere. You you uh, you you stand. You stand in a foundation because those those dark clouds will pass. And it's such a beautiful thing because she acknowledges." the darkness but she chooses to stand strong and let it go past her so with the the kindness it's not in it's not being ignorant it's it's actually being very aware of of what's there and what 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 you do in the face of this this darkness and everybody sees it everybody has it you know that's the kind of kindness I'm talking about.
0: It's interesting talking to you and, and, and reading what you've written and, and which, what you've said, because you have there's a kind of a dichotomy, because on the one hand you have this very optimistic view about self-improvement, you talk a lot about love in the world, which I want to ask you about, but you also have a kind of fundamentally dark view of the cosmos, too. How do you square that?
1: Oh, no, because um, we live in a culture... We, our world is polar opposites. That's how electricity works, that's how... Uh, children are created with a man and a female. We, I can absolutely love something, love it so much, and at the very same time, hate it, hate it, hate it. That is what we are. And that is that being in that position is the true, true existence there is no it's right or wrong. Right. They coexist at the very same time. I'm acknowledging both. I choose to live in the light. I choose to to focus on that the child of God is innocence, um, but that's not to say that the child of God is not also guilty, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that both are correct. Half full, half empty. Both are correct. One will bring you joy, one will bring you pain.
0: At the end of every episode of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, which is now uh, at, in finishing its eighth season and enormously popular, the most popular show on the Logo Network. Uh, you say, and I, I may get this co- uh, quote incorrect, but if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? Yes. Is that just a thing you say, or do you actually mean it?
1: I absolutely mean it. I learned that at 14. It was, you know, all of the things that I talk about on the show, all of the things in the books, these are these are things I, I learned at 14. That was my bar mitzvah. That was my breaking through, and under, that was my aha moment. All of these things I understood then. I didn't come up with this stuff. It's not a new philosophy, and not that, I'm not that smart. It's recognizing the tools it takes to navigate this lifetime because I was looking for the tools. I was looking for it. I thought I could find it in booze and alcohol. I thought I could find it you know in um, becoming famous and uh, rich and famous. None of those things actually do that. They can be fun but they don't do that. What will do that is understanding fundamentally who you are. Don't forget who you really are and who you really are. A lot of people aren't ready to hear that. Who you really are is you are God having an excursion in the human body uh, experiencing life on this planet, and it's very simple. It's uh, and once you understand that, you think, okay. So how do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? I want to. If I had to, actually, um, A- Alan Watts has this. He has this thing. What this lecture where he talks about. What if you had the ability to choose what your dream was? Every night before you go to bed, you get to choose what your dream was. And then after about two, and you, of course, you'd be a princess, or you'd be a king, or a, a he-man. After about two months, you'd be like, that's kind of boring. Um, why don't we do it random? Why don't we do it random, where I don't know what I'm going to be? Um, and it, because you know that every morning you, w- you wake up, you'd be your old self again. There would be no consequences. You'd be your that's what we're doing. That's what it is. So when you look at it that way, you go, oh, okay. I'm going to be a six-foot-seven black, blonde drag queen who doesn't play by the rules of society or, uh, you know, the Matrix or, you know, all of that stuff. Doesn't do that. But somehow is going to, going to, uh, Kick a hole in the whole existence. That's what I want to do. I want to do that.
0: When you use the word God, what do you
1: mean? Uh, it doesn't have to. I don't know what it is. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's that thing. That thing that cannot be. The thing that cannot be described. That's the thing. It's it's that thing. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I don't need to know. I don't need to know.
0: And when, when, just let me get back to loving yourself. When you talk about that, what, what? I, it sounds easier said than done. Yeah, no. Especially just, if your parents didn't love you, or yeah. or the world doesn't love you. No, do you. How do you actually do that?
1: It's a it's a practice. You you uh, fake it till you make it. It is a practice every day. That's why I first need to um, um, disengage my ego in the morning when I pray and when I meditate. I need to first align myself with that thing which cannot be described. We some people. Call it God. Eckhart totally talks about calling it being, you know, because nobody can can sort of uh, put a ownership on the word being. Um, first, aligning yourself with that, remembering who you are, who you really are, and you are God's gift to this world. Is what you are. So start there, and then, uh, and then you go about this life with following your heart, which is like a, your own GPS system. It's like saying, what do you like? You like, you like dark chocolate or you like milk chocolate? You know, um, you like to dance? Uh, 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 do you, you like to laugh? Well, life has a lot of things. You like water, you want to play with water? So that's where you start. That's how you love yourself. And when you enjoy and follow your own directive, your own GPS system, you can then love yourself and then share that love with other people.
0: In in talking to you, it's clear that you've had these moments of kind of uh, spiritual slash psychological breakthroughs at key junctures in your life where things were were a- adverse. 14 when you were having kind of an existential crisis, uh, 28 when you uh, hadn't yet made it and were sleeping on your sister's couch, Uh, and then there was another one kind of in the year 2000 where you were already famous, world famous, Mm -hmm. and you you sort of stepped out of the public view. Uh, Why did you do that, and what were the contents of that crisis?
1: Well, it's important for any artist to step away from the canvas, and in fact, um, during the the Bush era, the second Bush era, the 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 feeling in our culture was was there was a certain hostility out there, and i was i felt like I had to defend my life in interviews or in um just in in in, in the public so I thought you know what I need to step back I need to quit drinking and uh i need i need to reconnect with with myself and i I moved out here, I still had the place in New York, but I moved to L.A. and I had parties, bar- bar- daytime parties. Um, I did quit drinking and doing drugs, and um, got to know my nieces and nephews, and um, uh, just got to see myself again. Because I, I, I'm ambitious, and I, for those whole, all, those, all those years, I hit the big time, and I worked. I just worked all the time. So I needed to do that. And, um, in fact, uh, George and I um, um, had a little meltdown of, of our relationship. Um, and, of course, we've repaired it now. But um, all of those things happen, and, and looking back, I realized I needed to do that to understand why I do what I do. In fact, up until that point, my thinking was, if I got rich and famous, that will fill that hole, that void in my life. Well, of course, at the end of, uh, you know, when I... I realized that that wasn't the case, but coming and I I got into um, I got into therapy I got I got closer into um, you know w- what made me tick right so um, um, what you're hearing are people yeah, outside yeah there are people of,
0: outside the window saying that's RuPaul and you're not uh, you're not uh, in drag well they know they know they me know. from
1: um, the TV show yeah. Out of Drag um, but. Looking back at that period, it was so good for me to, to take time away. Because what changed, there's a siren going on, we're actually, at, it's at Hollywood and Highland here in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, where the pop-up store is. Um, so good for me to do that. Because when I came back, my motivation had to do with love and music and laughter. Before, when I, got, when I wanted to become famous, I kind of wanted my father's approval. I really did. But I understood after many years that he couldn't see me. He couldn't see me even if there was no way. He, it wasn't possible for is, him to see me. Is he around still? No, he's, he's dead. He's, did, both did, my parents are dead. Did you ever get his approval? Um, you know, when you, when you make a lot of money, uh, all sins are forgiven. Yeah. you know
0: That's not real approval.
1: That's not a real approval. No, it's not it's not and I really understood that he was a fig- figment of my imagination I have a vast imagination so I imagine that his betrayal of me his um, abandonment of me
0: he left w- the home when you were seven or something. seven
1: yeah, yeah. but he, he was really never there um, I thought that that it was a malicious thought-out well plotted uh, attack on me it wasn't it had nothing to do with me so it took that time away to understand that. So when I did come back, I actually I came back with a, a movie called Star Booty. Don't watch it. It's, it's a totally rated X. It's a sort of John Waters movie that I produced and starred in. Um, it's fabulous, but <laughs> by the way. Um, uh, I came back with that. I did a, I start, I came back in 04 with a radio, uh, morning drive radio in, at NEW in New York. And uh, yeah, and, and then and all of those things led to Drag Race.
0: Uh, Rupaul, you're a fascinating dude. I, it's been—I've learned a lot from you. Uh, as we wind down here, any words of wisdom you want to share with uh, either me or the audience? Yeah,
1: here's some words of wisdom: Don't wear high heels in soggy grass. It's A <laughs> bad, bad idea.
0: Okay, all yeah. right, duly noted. Anything yeah. else that I should know?
1: Well, you know, it's important to live your life. I know that you're af- you're afraid of drag. I don't wonder if it's if it's more. That you're afraid of what your wife will think and your children, or if it's that you'll love it so much you won't come back?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like it's the former, but I I don't want to be closed-minded and say (laughs) it's not the latter. I I feel like it's the former.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Could you imagine you not coming back?
0: Uh, that would require some pretty drastic changes in my life
1: or not (laughs) or not or not
0: well it would certainly be a negotiation with my wife well
1: no no listen it's the 21st century you know maybe she could do it too maybe it's a drag family you know drag family that's uh, the family that drags together is a family that slays together
0: alright okay I'll go home and discuss this with Bianca and see how it flies I'll let you know I'll send you an email or maybe I'll advise her never to listen to this particular podcast (laughs) All right, there's another edition of the 10% Happier Podcast. If you like it, I'm going to hit you up for a favor. Please subscribe to it, review it, and rate it, preferably five stars. Uh, I want to also thank uh, the people who produced this podcast, Josh Cohan, Lauren Efron, Sarah Amos, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. And uh, hit me up at Twitter, Dan B. Harris. See you next time.